Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I am your host, Abigail Moss. I'm a shaman. I'm here to awaken the healers, to not simply teach you, but to bring you home to your own divinity, nature, and spirit, so that you may remember the depths of your own being, power, and purpose, and embody your original medicine in all that you do. This work is not for the faint of heart, but for the driven seeker who will not quit until they find what calls them. This is for those who are ready to step into their power, even though it fucking terrifies them. This is for the medicine women, the light workers, and the weary souls who've lived countless lifetimes. This is a path to mend your deepest of wounds, to remember the innocence of your nature. This is a way of embodiment, integrity, and awakening. It is a portal back to your soul and a bridge between worlds. This is where we reclaim our magic, our birthright, and our true being. A magic that was hidden for centuries by religion, madness, and fear. It is a power that stirs in our wombs and a knowing whispered by our ancestors. It is a song sung by the universe. It is our birthright, our divinity, and our being. We are here to remember it, embody it, and return it to the world from which it was hidden. Welcome. This is season two, Reclaim Your Magic. Welcome, beautiful lightworkers and friends. I want to share with you all a free Facebook group where I go live each week with free trainings and I share healing resources. And it's a beautiful heart-led community focused on healing your mind, body, and spirit, tuning in with your purpose and sharing your gifts. You can check it out with the link in the show notes, Heart Space Healing for Seekers. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. All right. I am here with Karen Rontowski. Did I pronounce your last name right? Perfect. And thank you for even attempting that it might be wrong because I get all my guests' names wrong. (laughs) I know, right? I have to start asking the beginning because so many times my my brain makes up a, a name and it's not the reality of it. <laughs> Have you ever had someone that was like a friend for three years and you're like, I don't know their last name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, Facebook makes it easy unless it's one of those made up names. And then it's like, right. who knows? It's it only, only the shadow knows the answer to that one. <laughs> for years, I thought my friend's name was Terry Yaki. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Terry Yaki. I like that. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read your bio real quick. So all of the lovely people. I feel like a lot of people know who you are already. I talk to different people. It's like, I find a paranormal Karen or paranormal Karen. I'm like, (laughs) everybody knows her, but I'm going to read your bio anyway. So Karen is both a stand-up comedian and a tarot reader and often mixes the two on stage. She has 35 years experience in stand-up, 
25 in tarot and 20 in the field of paranormal. And then something you put on there, she's so old, which is hilarious. <laughs> you're, you're still a young snapper. You've been yes. doing this a long time. Yes. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit about your story? Like what came first and how did you get started in it? Well, it's funny because stand-up really came first, but I was sort of one of those people that right from youth, I knew I wanted to do that. And I was always into the paranormal. I was always had the books. I was always, you know, whatever was out there. I probably was like a five-year-old conspiracy theorist wondering where the (laughs) big wheel came from or something like that, you know, (laughs) but I just have always had these desires. And I remember when I got in college, I was watching someone who actually became a friend of mine, a stand-up comedian on a show. And I was like, I think I could do that. I really do. And then I moved to Vegas and I was working at Caesars Palace and I met a bellman that did stand up and he took me to my first open mic. And I was terrible because you're always terrible in the beginning, but it didn't matter. I was like, I'm doing this no matter what. And then I always still had saw psychics and went into the paranormal. But when I started to go on the road, I started to visit haunted places. And then that's kind of how it all sort of started to come together. Ooh, I love that. And there's a lot of pieces I want to unpack. The first one is, and I think this is a really interesting thing with stand-up people specifically, is that like all things, we suck in the beginning, but most of us suck quietly in secret <laughs> behind closed doors, but you can't do that with stand-up. So no. what, what gives you the grit? What gave you the grit to keep going when everyone's like, boo, get off this day? I mean, hopefully that never happened, but you know, when it feels like that. Well, you know, it's a funny thing because stand-up actually seems to have failure built in, in that people expect hecklers or they expect things to go wrong. But what's funny about it is I wonder how many people do it. And a lot of people do it once and then don't ever do it again. But it's something that it's a curiosity, I think, because you can do the same joke a hundred times. And on the hundred and first time, the whole audience looks at you like, what are you doing? You know, so it's always a, uh, did I deliver it wrong? Was it a half a second off? Is this not the correct? It's really curiosity. I think that drives a comic to just keep going. You always have to have your comedy friends that you kind of commiserate with when something goes wrong. But even if you've been doing it, you know, I've seen the best of the best die. I think stand-up is such a curiosity that you just always want to keep going. It gets in you. It is you. My friend would always say, it's not like you're a bank teller and then you go home and you're done with your job. It's you're always your job. Yeah, I get that. It's like, I am a healer. It is me. It's my life. (laughs) It's not like you just turn it off and then come back the next day. Or like when you're doing shamanic healing, it's not like, oh, all of that energy is just done. It's like locked out. Yep. No, it's you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting that it sounds like comedy is almost fickle. Like you were saying on the 101st time, it lands so differently. And there's no way, I guess, that you can predict how that's going to happen. It's not like it's a science and rinse and repeat. It's good or it's not good. It's just like the energy of the crowd, your energy, the times, where the stars are aligned. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Well, every audience has its own personality and no two are alike. 
it just is like that. Everybody has a different sense of humor. Now, obviously, people are way more offended very easily, or, you know, you can say something and just make people nervous, even if you're not saying anything. I mention guns sometimes, and I have no opinion either. I do five minutes, no opinion either way. But once you say guns, you know, there's people going, oh, she's going to be against them or she's going to, and then you have to, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite jokes because it does test them, not me. Totally. And it's like a reflection of this tense world that we're in of this very divided Mm -hmm. world. I think it's kind of interesting about the comedian is that they, because they used to be like the role of the comedian was in many ways to like bring up the stuff, this darkness, but in a way that we can face it where it's Mm -hmm. like, look how funny this shit is. This is so messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You know, there is a sociology to comedy also at one point, Roseanne was big. That was when feminism was coming up. She was the domestic Mm -hmm. goddess. Then you had the backlash, which was Andrew Dice Clay. Now we're going to offend everybody. And then you had the backlash to that, which was Seinfeld, which is don't say anything. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm saying nothing. Mm -hmm. And now we're kind of going, uh, I'm not sure where we're going right now, but I know the difference now is people don't just let a joke go by and, you know, that's fine. Go to the next joke. For some reason, things are being taken so personally. Now, I'm not really a controversial comic because I'm like, I'm the idiot. I always say my job is to make bigger mistakes than you so you can laugh at mine and feel better about yours. So that's sort of my angle. But anything political, you better have that audience and that better be your cult coming to see it because otherwise it's very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And dangerous is the word. Yeah, because we are very tribal these days in our beliefs and ideologies. And oh, so why were you going to all these haunted houses when you were on the road? Why was that happening? (laughs) You know what? I didn't even know what I was looking for. And then for a while I had a little series and everything was a minute long. And I always play with bringing this back, but it was, you know, paranormal care in the TV show. And I would go and just have jokes about the places and how they were haunted and who haunted them and stuff like that. But it was really, I always wanted to investigate. And then finally, I lived in Sandy. No, no, I lived in LA. I went to meetup.com and I met a group that did investigations and I started going with them. And then I met sort of my mentor, a guy named Tommy. We just shot a spiritual protection class. Cool. Yeah, it should be coming out soon. I'm not sure when. But he's friends to this day. He's been friends the whole time. But I was just so interested in the evidence and how you get it and still everything. I would say UFOs are just one of the things I don't actively research. It's not that I'm not interested. But there isn't anything about out of this 3D reality that I'm not interested in. Mm, Love that. I mean, the world is infinite, right? There's so many possibilities and so much mystery. Yes, absolutely. And meetup.com, like, I love that place. I think when I first started photography, I met so many people there. What a great system. I just thought about that because I'm here in Utica where it's very small, where I moved back to take care of my folks. And I thought I should look on there because I went to find a couple of paranormal teams and nobody really answered. Then I was like, why am I not on that website looking for something? It's still a good website. Totally. Love that. And so you co-taught this class on spiritual protection. So what is that like? And how does that tie in with paranormal investigation? 
So my friend Tommy is, the class was more me interviewing him because he's actually my teacher, even if I know this stuff. He has been growing up with the paranormal since he was 13 years old. And he's just the most amazing person. I can't even describe because he doesn't like the term demonologist, but he has worked on some stuff that I think the rest of us would just curl up and in a ball and go away. He knows so much and he's worked with the best. So I met him when I first got into investigating, he had a radio show or a internet podcast. And I emailed him and his partner. I said, do you guys want a comedian to do, you know, reporting and stuff? And he was like, yeah. So I met him for coffee and he's been my friend the whole time. His wife is one of my best friends. And I constantly go back to him for information or is this right? But the thing that people don't realize is when they go investigating and they're going to haunted places, they need a certain level of spiritual protection so that something doesn't attach or follow them home. He taught me from a place of extreme caution from the beginning, not saying I haven't made my mistakes because I have. Who hasn't? (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite saying is once you look into the paranormal, the paranormal looks back at you. Mm -hmm. So you need to go in protected spiritually, which probably you've talked about on your podcast. Some people want to go in and tell ghosts, you can touch me or I want to feel it. And all that is an invitation. All that's a big no-no. Yes. Agreed. So what is the main thing that you do to protect your energy when going into a space that you know there's, you know, all kinds of stuff, but I mean, even when we're walking around, when we're going to Costco, you know, there's energies floating around everywhere. What do you do to protect yourself? I was in a hotel this weekend and although it wasn't a haunted hotel, it was a haunted hotel and it was, mm-hmm. I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. So generally I believe that I have a connection to Archangel Michael. I think everybody has a connection to a particular Archangel, that would be mine. And I have walked out of some really tricky situations with prayer or asking him to come help me. Mm. And I try to daily remember to say thank you every day for my protection. That's a big one. Any type of prayer or gratitude, I think, starts. The way I picture it is sort of like if you're grounded, if you're sort of aware of who you are, that's a big one. I feel like you get this white sort of shield that most things are probably going to want to avoid, or it doesn't look easy. In fact, a while back, I had a sort of a psychic attack at night. And the next morning, I was like, what happened? And my guides said, there's a particular part of your, they said something about my, what I was going through. You need to deal with that because it's a weak spot in your aura. And this thing will attach or come through that spot. So then I worked on journaling and therapy and that particular hang up and everything kind of got better. So this is a story though I do tell about how I did end up in a situation that was, we'll just say it was the worst that you can get as for spirits coming at you or spirit attachment. It was demonic. And as soon as it was in the room, I knew And I looked at my partner and she wasn't doing okay. She was walking around like she didn't know who she was. She was spinning on like a computer kind of. Mm -hmm. And I started to get up. And then in my head, I heard, just take care of yourself. You can't, this is too big. You can't help her. And then I heard my very first tarot teacher say, they want your mind. So over and over, I kept saying, my name is Karen Rontowski and I know exactly who I am. My name is Karen Mm -hmm. Rontowski and I know who I am. And I preach this, I've probably said it a hundred times on my podcast, 
because I was the only one that went home okay from that investigation. And mm-hmm. I, I believe that is the answer to, even if you think you don't know who you are, keep saying that and don't let anything take your mind. Mm. Kev tingles as you say that. That is so effing powerful in the work that I've done in demonology, which, you know, it can get sticky. And I found that to be true too. It's the beliefs. It starts with the mind and they may come in energetically in all different areas in your field or body, but the entry point is through the beliefs. It's through the mind. And if you don't believe, you know, yourself or don't believe that you're safe. I think that I find that to be a really big one. And if someone has fear, they don't believe that they're strong or that they're powerful, then it's like, oh, that's the way in. Or you mentioned earlier, having a weak spot. I find those beliefs of like, not worthy, not good enough, not safe, not love. All of these beliefs that these energies can come in and start spinning more stories that create even more separation from yourself and source. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's going to be really good for people to hear that. Yeah. That is like ground level just kind of basic. If you can do that, even when you're scared, even when you're scared of other people or anything like that, that, that's quite good. You're right. It can get kind of tricky when it's something anchored in a house or somebody has conjured something. That's a, you know, it's like the other day I was listening to someone and the one thing Tommy is livid about is he is the most humble person. He is Mm. the most non-ego. You can't bring ego into this. And we were talking about something and I just remember going, don't say always or never in this situation. Everyone is different. All you can do is know who you are and everything else is changing all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Be aware of yourself, be aware of your energy. And that's number one, because if you don't have that, you can't help someone else. So fill up your own, put on your own oxygen mask before assisting your (laughs) your friend. And the big, big thing I think is the shadow side. For example, I was brought up in a home that was very passive aggressive. And it wasn't until later in life that I was like, oh, that's what it means. And that's what we're doing. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So even in my mind, when I go to that place of I want something and I start to manipulate through passive aggressiveness, I hear it in my head. Okay. So I'm very aware. And then I can't do it because I see it now. But if someone is really in denial about that, those are the kind of things or the perfection. There's a big push for women to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not bad. I'm really a great person. That is where things really do really come in or smaller things can attach faster. This is my experience. Like I said, not always or never, but I feel like knowing that you can be anything we're capable of everything and anything. And once you know that you're almost a little more protected. Yes. And thank you for saying that. I think one of the biggest lies that darker energies tell us is that we're not powerful. And it's one of the biggest lies that we believe other energy only have as much power over us as we agree that they have. So I find sometimes these things can come in and be like, I am dark and scary and I'm going to take over. And it's like, no, you're not <laughs> clear everywhere that you're doing that clear everything that, you know, your job, like, cause you're the, we're the ones in this body. And like you said, I am, you know, I, I'm Karen Rontowski. And it's when you remember that, then you claim yourself. You claim your space, you claim your body. And with free will, there's nothing more powerful than that. 
So something outside trying to manipulate you, it's just not allowing yourself to agree with that manipulation. Yes. And also I like it because it's sort of a internal work that you can do. I listen to a lot of paranormal radio and there's guys that come on that are demon hunters and that are, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing an exorcism and I have never done anything like this, but I'm doing it. That's a little different. That's an antagonizing. (laughs) Yeah. That guy, you go do that. I'm not, I'm not, you can do that somewhere else. I'm not hanging around for that, but to actually just be able to hold your ground is what you need. That it doesn't begin, you know, a real possession or a real problem has levels. Start. You want to start with knowing yourself and knowing what you feel like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Exactly. And I found that too, like with the layers of possession. I love that we're talking about this, by the way. I've never heard a conversation outside of my shamanic training class about possession. I think it's one of those, it's one of the scarier things, right? Most people don't Uh talk about it. It's not like your coffee talk (laughs) conversation, but it's (laughs) important because a lot of people face it. And I, I've worked with people who were aware they were fighting possession and people who weren't aware that they were fighting possession based on their societal beliefs and beliefs that they grew up with. And it's hard because I can help someone who who is aware of it. Someone who's not aware of it, it's hard because it's hard for me to explain what's going on to them and their family and have them continue coming back and working with that. And those people just get labeled as insane and medicated. But uh-huh. when the possession is kind of going on a deeper stage where they're really attaching to these thoughts, feeling stuff in their body. What would you say would be the thing to do at that point to, would you continue affirming you are who you are? What would you do at that point? I would always keep that. But for a person that is, that's really going on for first, I would go to church. Okay. Mm. I would go to, I would find your faith or a healer or something like that. It's very hard once it started to expel anything yourself. And also this isn't a cop-up, but you might need to know more about what's going on and who it is. The one thing I am great at is I have a web of people. When someone comes to me and tells me what's going on, I go, oh, you go that way. Or, okay, here's our questionnaire. Fill this out. We'll help you with this. Oh, I'll ask Tommy. I'm the yellow pages, if that's still a thing. I don't think it is. I love that. I'm the yellow pages of help. So I would say the first thing to do is to get help and I would go spiritual, not that a therapist wouldn't help, but you have to be very careful to have a therapist that doesn't just go, you're nuts, go take these drugs. Yeah. 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 So everything's a little bit of a, how far along, or as you know, there's a varying degree of how big this thing is or what kind is it attachment is it it's sort of a big array of things that could be going on whenever mm-hmm. we work with someone we have a very long questionnaire that we send out and what we have found is there's a lot of questions in it that people wouldn't know why we're gathering that information but to us it tells us what we're looking at or if it's gin or something like that or what's mm-hmm. if it's a poltergeist if it's coming off the person and also if it is a psychological issue now someone could have a psychological issue mm-hmm. which enhances what's going on the possession or the attachment absolutely but usually if you have something that is so blatantly we had a woman that moved into a house where she grew up and she was having a incubus attack her, a sexual attack. And as we go through the questionnaire, we find out that she was molested by her 
stepfather in this house. So now we have a lot more going on than just let's cleanse and get this thing out. We have a psychological poltergeist entity thing, a kind of a three-way. Now, what was very interesting about this is she wanted us to show up and wave a magic wand and get rid of it. And we were like, that's not how we work. This is, has to be something where you're participating, you understand, especially if you are the poltergeist that is sort of expelling this energy. And she got very angry and disappeared. So that questionnaire is sort of a great shield for, mm-hmm. are you, do you really want this to go away? Are you in it? So that's where we start. Now, other people, we've got that questionnaire and immediately been like, okay, we know what this is. Do this, blah, 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 blah. This is a residual energy. We're going to put magnets on the wall or something like that. So usually we can get it pretty quick, but it is interesting that you have to know the whole thing that's going on. I I hope I didn't circle that question too badly. No, no, that's great. People come to me with this stuff. I find that the causes are either karma, like there's something that happened, some past life that was traumatic or they did something (laughs) that's coming back around on them and or trauma. And so like you mentioned with the succubus and the sexual abuse incident. So like I worked with someone for a year and they had all of this abuse and trauma that had happened to them since childhood. And there was a lot to release and a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. And they'd been tormented by demons and dark energies since childhood as well. But it was a matter of healing that trauma and empowering them to release these entities because this was the world that they were in. So let's empower you to navigate this world. And now they're an incredible healer and the energies that they see are a lot lighter. But when the darker energies come, they're able to say, all right, let's get lost. Get out of here. I'm not weak, you know? And I know who I am. I've healed a lot of this. And I find it's like the trauma becomes this lens that we see the world with through fear. And that fear is a frequency that draws these energies to us because that's the reality that we've been living in. Yeah. And most people do not believe this. I'm always okay with anybody that doesn't because we're talking about a world that we don't live in, right? We're a rule where there's no rules, where we're doing the best we can. Like Tommy Mm -hmm. says, we just want to stay on this level right here. Because sort of my paranormal background, sometimes you just get a bad house. Sometimes you just move into the wrong house. And I know everybody, yeah. a lot of people are like, no, that's not really. It's always a guy. And I'm like, nope, sometimes you just moved into the wrong house. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It could be it could be an Indian burial ground. It could right. be haunted in, you know, from all kinds of ways. And like that's kind of like usually I find those are the easiest cases because, like, oh great, there's no attachment to you. That's clear, but I mean, I haven't worked in all the ho- kinds of houses that you've worked in, so I'm <laughs> not always the easiest case. It's, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. it's, yeah, it's always different. I'll just leave that with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've had some. It's layered. It's multifaceted. This yes, kind of work. That's a great, and that's a great way to say it. Like every case is a little different, and yeah, exactly. It's kind of nice because you know. No day is the same. It's not like you're going to go into the office and get bored of clocking in and clocking out. It's like, well, who knows what kind of interdimensional being we're going to find today. Let's go see. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's cool that you work with Tommy on this and he's a demonologist. So how did you find him? I had emailed him. He had a radio show. So I wanted to be a guest journalist on his podcast and Boy, that has to be at least 20, 25 years ago. And then we just always stayed in touch. And he just turned out to be a great friend. He started coming to all my shows. He's actually a TV editor. And we're doing a special together that was about 
I used to have everybody over my house. I used to have groups over on Wednesday nights and we'd always do something fun. And somebody said, Hey, do you want to do a fairy spell? And we were all just like, whatever. And it's always funny because Tommy always knows when things are going to get wrong, but he's always like, everybody has to make their own mistakes. And you could just hear everyone go, let's do it. And Tommy goes, I wouldn't do this if I were you guys. (laughs) We all did it. And then I ended up with an attachment from it, which he helped me get rid of. And now it's going to be like a 30 minute comedy special that he's (laughs) going to shoot. I'm writing it. He's shooting it. And he always makes me laugh because I'm always like, someone always knows before something terrible. They heard Tommy go, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> the voice of reason that really gets listened and to. And everyone goes, no, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. That's how, you know, that was how I learned. That's how I know. In fact, in my Patreon, I'm getting ready to shoot a thing about knowing the feelings in your body. I know, even when I talk about this stuff sometimes, I know if my knees down get the chills and none of the rest of the body does, something else is listening. I'm not scared or nothing, mm-hmm. but I know I live in a house where it's very old and I can sort of handle this much and there's other apartments. But I know as soon as we started talking to about that, everything was like, what are you guys talking about? You guys talking about us? Yes. Because they're talking about us. That's, that's right? what's going on. <laughs> so I get that feeling and I go, okay, this is, this is what's going on now. So you have to know mm-hmm. that feeling in your body. It's, but these entities, these fallen angels were used to walk the earth as teachers. So it's all there. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe. And the way I was taught that they're, they're like dark teachers now, like sometimes angels and we found like angels will turn into these demons and attach to people as part of a karmic lesson that that individual needs to learn. And in learning that lesson, whatever that be worthiness, love, stepping into their power in that moment, that entity can re-transform back into light and be released. And that's really a very loving, beautiful experience. And I find it really helpful when working with these kinds of energies to remember that these are also beings of light. Within all darkness, there is light. Within all light, there is darkness. And so it's like, when you see that part of it, it's almost like having compassion, like, oh man, this energy is struggling just like me. I should figure out this lesson so I can free us both. (laughs) Yeah, there's some shamanic, Theories, I, I, but I don't want to say theories because that sounds like they're not. Uh, it's like just ap- approaches or approaches. you know experiences yeah. with the, those approaches. Those you know experiences I find because that's how I work. Yes, and it's very interesting because I get fascinated because my obsession, and this is why I work in tarot. So. Mm-hmm. I'm always one foot in the paranormal. It's never, you know, I didn't go on an investigation, then come home and we're all done. And I always am very careful about where the information is coming from. And I don't know if you've read this book about John D and Kelly, where they were the first to do Enochian magic. And they really were channeling the angels and they came up with this elaborate table and the, the chest plate. And it's so detailed. And they're channeling information and everything is going great. And then there's a change Mm -hmm. and the information starts telling them you need to do things like swap wives. And they're like, wait a minute, what is this? Right. And I actually did a podcast with Mark Pontes that was so interesting talking about the trickster spirit. And Mm -hmm. I do, I know that angels are great and they're there for us and all this stuff, but I wonder if sometimes it can get tricky or if the lesson is that we think there were monogamous or what it was, 
But I think you always have to, no matter who you think you're speaking to, you have to go inside and go, is this right? Like, I even wonder if the angels were going, they're listening. Let's see if they learned to trust themselves. So tell them to do, and then it all kind of fell apart. So Mm. another weird analogy to this is Doreen Virtue. She had all the tarot classes. She trained people. She had all stuff, but she never used protection. And one day she just went all Christian. This is all bad. This is all the devil's work. And I wonder if something showed up and tricked her into this Mm. sudden change. Certainly could. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. I'm definitely one who believes in protection. Number one. Absolutely. And with channeling, first question I always like to ask is, are you the highest being at this time? You know, and if not, it's like, I'm going to let you go. Cause I've kind of gone connect up with my guides calling in the highest guide at this time. And someone else showed up and started talking about these stars and this planet. I'm like, okay, are you the highest guide for me at this time? Well, no, <laughs> it's like they were malicious. They were just like floating <laughs> around and just jumped in and had all this stuff to tell them. Like, that's great, but that's not what I'm doing here. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to speak with my highest guy. <laughs> it's like, you just, you know, I just dialed the wrong line or the line was open. He picked it up first, I guess. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it is this big wild world and things can change. I think what you said about the trickster energy is also very interesting. Because I worked with people who who felt like an energy was being of light and then all of a sudden it became a being of dark. And it kind of really causes one to not trust in the light. And that can be a really difficult place because it creates a sort of separation from the light. And I think you touched on it before. You know, maybe it was these angels saying, hey, they need to learn to trust themselves. And do you feel like that is what's needed in that moment? Or do you feel there's another way to navigate this kind of energy? Or both. I'm I'm going to repeat the question because I'm not. You mean? Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say why it happens or when it happens. Go ahead. I'm going to let you. Yeah. Think. So like when you encounter this trickster energy where it's like light and then it becomes dark all of a sudden, do you feel like that's a need for us to trust ourselves more, or what would you do in that situation? I would say your answer was correct. I have never had a situation like that where I saw something kind of go between light and dark. I kind of split the two as paranormal and spiritual. The stuff usually that I'm dealing with in the paranormal is dark. It's all dark. If it's not the person, it's usually not anything that's turning into light. But I would say you have that exactly right. It would be about trusting Mm. yourself. And then bringing that ultimate, you know, connection with creator universe back in. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, Because it's hard because like when that happens, I've worked with people on this, there becomes this fear of, can I trust universe creator source? You know, it's like, is light really light? (laughs) Is the light gaslighting me? You know, but I think when you can't know externally, go within. It's like when you're saying, I am Karen Rontowski, you know, continue affirming who you are. Is that something that can't really be taken from you when you have that? Right. And also, you know, it's very interesting because we were just having a conversation about there's a particular football player in the United States who was going back and forth to Peru and was doing ayahuasca quite a few times. And now he's seeing a dark shadow follow him. Which you know, it's one of those things that happens. Plant medicines are amazing, but there are risks involved and people don't always get educated on how to protect themselves. I agree a hundred percent. And now it's so popular. This sounds terrible, but I don't know that I'd go to a foreign country to do it. And I know I probably know people that could recommend the best people, but right now, and this is just me, but right now I think it's time to be very, very careful 
with anything, with plant medicine, with alcohol, with all that stuff. I feel like there's just a level of negativity that's a little higher than usual. So maybe it's not the time for any of that. But usually the dark kind of hat men aren't really dangerous. They're kind of watchers. They're kind of just wanting to see what we're doing. But he was talking about something coming up behind him and that he was scared because it was the, he calls it hat man. I'm going to call it shadow mm. person. And Tommy had the perspective that maybe that's not the shadow person. Maybe the shadow person is literally keeping that thing off. Of like it's such a big world and you have to be in the whole thing to know that sometimes the dark isn't you know, we say dark and light. Some of the dark isn't that dark. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I had, I had one experience when we were talking about like the trickster energy where I was like, I would see this beautiful kind of angel being in front of me. And then all of a sudden it would get kind of evil. And this was happening for a couple of years. And then I was just doing a ton of yoga, like mostly yin yoga for self-healing to heal my body. And of course I'd go in there, but I would go on all these big spiritual journeys to heal the spiritual part. And I saw that energy and I kind of was shown my life as like this wheel and all these different lifetimes in it. And there's this, be these parts where it would be like, you know, like defragging a computer or like just go to this apartment and be like, and just be all black and jagged colored and be like, what the shit is going on there? And I was was kind of scared. But then I was like, spirit said, or my guide said, these are the parts not yet healed. And I had done some more work Uh on like that dark light angel. And I was like, this is the part of you that is also afraid. This is also the shadow part of you that you have not yet healed. And it's like, this is the duality you've been living in. But when you heal and integrate those parts, then that duality is no longer so polarized. Yes. And it's kind of like one of the symbols in the rider deck, because that's my deck that I do tarot. Gray is the best color because it is the combining of white and black where everything's not white and black. I do a call journaling and I do cacao journeys Mm -hmm. now, which have been really helpful. I just started that. I'm very happy Mm -hmm. with that. It's not quite taking you as far as the Mm -hmm. other ones, but I was immediately shown. I started doing studies on the archangel because I feel like I can get too dark. Like I can really get wrapped up in the dark side and I go, you better start balancing Mm -hmm. that out. And I started doing research on the archangels and things started to get really light. And then there was this very clear message. And the message was they showed like a pencil like this. And they said, okay, so this is you. So you're learning to come up here and communicate and be with the archangels. But remember, you're always expanding exponentially. So you're going like this. So you, the dark down here is just as clearly seeing you as the light. And they were always like, don't ever forget that, which goes with something somebody said on a podcast, which is the people that might be attacked or under possession are the ones that like Mother Teresa became possessed because she was like, I'm all good. It's all light. It's all, you know, and they were like, no, you're not. You are just as dark as anybody else. And we're going to balance that out. So I always remember that no certain people I was reading for a woman once and she was all about, you know, I'm just prayer and love and light. And I was like, eh, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's like, you can't, that's like, we can't deny a part of ourselves. You know, it's like, we are these beings of light and dark and the dark is not necessarily evil or bad. It's just another aspect. You know, it's like the yin and the yang. This is just the world duality that we live in. (laughs) This is the earth plane. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So 
it always is what it is. It's not you're safer because you're reading the Bible. You're still moving up a notch. Do you know? Yeah. Or you're not safer because you're just reading about archangels, Karen. You're you're bringing your whole light bigger, which means everyone's going to see. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's just you know allowing yourself to be seen, but also stand in your power. It's like having both yes. of those happen. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And so, tell me about the tarot. How do you work with that, and how do you work with people with that? I has to have had a past life in tarot mm-hmm. because. I think I saw three psychics when I was younger and two of them told me my last life, I was in the circus. And the third one didn't believe in past lives. And he told me I should work in the circus. (laughs) And I really, as for a tarot teacher, there's a woman named Jacqueline Valdez and Encino. And I went to see her once and I was like, this is different than anything else or any type of reading I've ever gotten. And she always said, you should buy a deck and learn about it. And she would show me because she was brought up with it, a whole family of tarot. And she would show me, okay, this card means this. And then when these are combined, they mean this. And I was like, I didn't believe that I was psychic or intuitive or some people don't like it when you say psychic with tarot, but I think it's all the same Mm -hmm. bag. It's just a little different way to approach it. And I was like, if I learn everything about these cards, I should be able to put this together like a puzzle. Mm -hmm. So I became obsessed with the symbols and the colors. And this is a big word, but I might even be a little bit of a historian of the Rider Waite deck because I learned so much about it. While I was learning, it's, of course, making your intuition and your psychic abilities better and better and better. So I would say I teach people two ways to read. This is why everyone calls me in an emergency (laughs) because I can throw the cards and tell you exactly this means ABC and it'll be right. When I do a reading, I do some of that. And then some of it is just glancing and putting the story together. So it's a little of both. I have other decks and I love other decks, but that is just, it's like my little friend. I'm making a tarot journal and to download the cards and get the exact pictures was a little hard. So I downloaded what I could. And then on a program, I colored them incorrect and did all things. And I felt like Pamela Coleman was behind me going, that looks good. I think you got that color. (laughs) But I think that deck is a great basis for anyone. But that's how I started. And what was odd was, so in my psychic stand-up show, where I'm reading for people from the stage and I'm making jokes, it's actually two forms of thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's the most fun, challenging thing I could do. And a couple of other psychics were like, how do you do it so fast? And I I think it's because that obsession with the cards, they're a part of me. Mm -hmm. So I can do it that fast. Wow. That was going somewhere. I I love that. No, that's so cool. (laughs) I love that you, and it's like, sounds like muscle memory. Like you've, that obsession has allowed it to become a part of you. And so you can be a comedian and give us like a tarot reading (laughs) at one time, which is amazing. Well, what was funny was, I was doing it on stage as a comedian. I had gone to my teacher. I had called her and said, listen, do you think this is disrespecting the cards if I do this? And she said, I think the fact that you asked the question means you're not disrespecting Mm -hmm. the cards. And I was actually doing it before it was a business. And I think about how other people might want to be like, I want to know it and have, you know, but I was like, no, we're doing it on the stage in front of people. I don't care what they think. (laughs) This is how we're doing it. And then I was like, you know, maybe this is a business. And then I started as a business. That's beautiful. I love that. So, and you teach tarot classes as well, right? Online? Yes. I I have an online class that I think if you sign up for my email, it's half off or something like that, but it's like eight hours 
it's pretty intense. I tell people it's a class. Yeah, yeah. It's a beginner's class, but it's a class. Nice. Well, that's good. That's what you want, right? It's like it's detailed. You're going to yeah. really understand it from someone who has embodied it and made it an extension of them. Someone who loves. I put out all the nights and I go, here are my boys. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So if someone wants to come and see you on a show, I can, we can put all the show links in, but do you travel around and give these, you know, tarot stand-up shows? Like, where can they find you? Yes. Anybody can either follow me on Instagram. The best way to do it is though through my email list, which you go, I send out like four emails a year. I don't do a weekly or anything like, I don't have enough to say, but if they sign up for the list, that's the best. And then my stand updates will come to them because I'm getting very nervous. Instagram's getting hacked or copied or all that stuff. And I know everybody likes the social media, but I'm thinking that could be gone in a blank for any mm-hmm. reason. So that's the best way. And then if I'm coming to your town and then if you want most clubs, I would say 99% of the clubs, I do the psychic stand-up show, but you can always email me if that's all you're interested in and say, is that straight stand-up or are you doing psychic stand-up? And I'll let them know, or just come see a show. They're fun. I kind of work all over the place. Geez, Louise, in September, I'll be in Dubai. Cool. Yeah. So wherever you are, I'm probably coming to you. Just, you have to wait. Is that one going to be a, <laughs> a stand-up show or like a psychic stand-up show in Dubai? Uh, that one will probably just be a stand-up I because like, I hate to say this, but I don't know the- The cultural religious. acceptance. Yeah. yeah. I would I would be nervous about that too. <laughs> And they are very strict about language and content. And so I'm sure, you know, yeah, we don't need to find out. You could be jailed. For yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not worth that risk, but that's so cool that you're doing one in Dubai, really like all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this business is uh, such a blessing. I've seen everything. I've been to Greenland. I've been to <sighs> all different countries and the Middle East and just wonderful. That's amazing. Well, obviously you're funny. Yeah. Obviously you're very talented. And then Thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> And then if people, so people can work with, people can come see your show. They can take a tarot lesson from you. You do readings as well. Yeah, I do readings. You can sign up for reading on my website. I do 30 minutes, 45 or an hour. I haven't really raised my prices in a couple of years. I really get a great clientele between stand-up and tarot. You know what I mean? I, everything's life is good. Mm -hmm. So I get a great clientele of people's, you know, I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just, I really love my people. Like my friends are like, I'm charging this much. And I'm always like, yeah, I think I like my people. I don't want to change it. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. You're a good spot. And then you have a Patreon as well, right? Yes. Now the Patreon is great. If people want to see kind of what I do, there's a $3 level where you get three days a week, you get the card of the day where I explain what the card means. And I give you a little mantra. There's a $5 level where you get extra podcasts of my paranormal Karen. There's a $10 level where you just get the classes. There's one 15 minute class every Thursday, and then you can get the whole thing if you want, which is a whole bunch of it. You got to see, you'll see how much I love tarot. If you sign up for the $15 level. (laughs) I love it. And then if someone is like, I'm pretty sure I've got all this weird demon stuff going on. Do you and Tommy work with clients? Yeah. Send me an email. We're having a problem. Send me an email. We'll go from there. Okay. I love that. A woman of many talents. I have to go to one of your shows. I have to go to one of your psychic shows and see that in action. Because I think that is just such a cool combination. I don't know anyone else that does that. And what a beautiful way to bring you, like, your unique medicine into the world. It's so cool. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're hoping to get, I'm hoping to get it more and more on the road, but right now clubs are like, do whatever you want. So, so nice. It. It's just, 
Yeah, it's really different. It's it's nice. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I'm so happy with it. Do people that come like they know it's gonna be psychic and stand up when they come, or the people who are like, oh, there's a psychic too. Like, do people get surprised by that, or what's your reaction like? Sometimes they do, and sometimes I just do it. I'll do like a half an hour of stand up, and then I'll do 20 minutes of the psychic stand up. But everything, even all my paranormal stuff or what I'm doing, it's all palatable because if you don't believe that I'm really psychic, you're at least laughing. You're having a good time. So it's such a combination. And I've never had anyone offended that was Christian or didn't believe. Like I said, it really has something for everybody. So if you don't believe or you don't want to ask a question, you're still going to have a great time. I love that. I love that's the power of the comedian. You have laughter to like navigate around people's spiritual beliefs or various blocks or whatever it is that would normally trigger them. But it's like this, yeah. the, the, the comedy is a bridge to open up this world of possibility to them. Just cool. Absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of people walk out and are like, I didn't used to believe that, but now I don't know. I that was some weird stuff that happened. It doesn't align with reality of experience. Yeah, exactly. And just so people know, all my readings are over the phone. So I have clients all over the world. So don't worry about having to be in the, I think the lockdown did where kind of everybody understands now you can do it right from yeah, home. Yeah. It's so convenient. I love working from home. I'm literally wearing sweatpants right now and it's so great. <laughs> wearing, I'm not wearing it. Yeah. So <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so what is the best place to reach you? Like your website, your social, I'll include it in the show notes as well. But if you want to just mention it here too. Sure. Uh, KarenRontowski.com or Rontowski.com. It's very easy to spell. I always tell people, if you put in comedian Karen R-O, I'm going to come up. I'm the only Polish, I guess, Rontowski <laughs> or paranormal Karen, all that stuff. But really Rontowski.com. For years, I had Karen Rontowski and I was like, why don't you just buy Rontowski? That's so much easier. R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I. That's brilliant. <laughs> so nice. You have a new, unique name. Yes. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Is there any message you want to leave the audience with anyone who's like, maybe they're curious about getting into tarot or maybe they're whoever you feel out there. Is there anything you want to say to them? I would say, especially if someone wants to get into tarot, go online and watch a bunch of tarot readers and see if you like it. It's not for everyone. Some people don't like the cards, but to me, they're just absolutely fun. And if you think you're psychic, but you're not sure, they can be a great way to develop and give you some confidence in it. I don't think anyone watching this podcast would be, but don't be afraid. I, I'll, you know what I mean? Don't be afraid of tarot. I was taught that the cards were pieces of cardboard and the magic is going on up mm -hmm. here. So don't be afraid to buy a deck and don't be afraid to buy your own. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid of magic. It's part of us, right? It's part of this world that we live yeah. in. It's just remembering that. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing all this beautiful wisdom and all that you do. And thank you, Abigail. I, uh, I just adore you and uh, I can't wait to have you back on my podcast. Uh, thank you. I adore you too. You're so great. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all you beautiful beings. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it gave you a ton of value and insight. And if you know anyone else that would benefit from this, please share it with them. And your ratings and reviews are always so helpful too. And if you would like more support and more community and connection, you can check me out on Instagram and Facebook at Your Mind Body Free. I share live trainings and healing resources in my Facebook group and Instagram every week. And you can find the links for that in the show notes. 
Until next time, sending you my love.